0: you enjoying this fierce series? It's good, isn't it? Such a great series. And our key verse for this series is this, in 1 Timothy 6 verses 11 to 16 says this, but you, man of God, woman of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to Him be honor and glory and might forever. Amen. Oh, what amazing verses to read! They uh, they get to me straight away, and um, you know, I, I, I'm going to jump in to, to uh, the message I've got this morning is give trouble to your trouble and uh, but before I get into that as as we were driving down this morning I, I, I was reading through those verses and God just highlighted to me the word keep. And I just want to honor some of the people in here this morning who perhaps have been here for years and years and years and years, and you have sewed your life into this church. You've just been present. You have been behind Pastor Mike, and you have been present in this community and and the vision of this church. And I just want to honor you this morning. I felt like God would say, um, keep keeping. Keep hold of that confession. Keep hold of the thing to which God has brought you here um, in this moment and in this time. God loves the fact that you are standing firm. That it is no accident. It is no mistake. God is calling you again to keep hold to that to which God has called you. And, um, and you know, faithfulness will result in fruitfulness. I just want to say that this morning. Faithfulness Will result in fruitfulness it's an absolute fact it says it in my Bible, therefore it must be true. faithfulness produces fruitfulness obedience produces fruitfulness and I just want to encourage you that with that today and I just want to say if that's one of the people in here who have been here for years and years and years and years, I just want to honor you this morning and I'd love to hear your story of the first day that you walked into these doors another another time later on but um, anyway, right into what we're going to do This morning, give trouble to your trouble. Why don't you nudge the person next to you and say, give trouble to your trouble. This is a series for anyone who has something to fight for. Have you ever given in against your good judgment? Have you ever given in against your good judgment? So we are at the end of January now. And who, um, who made a good confession at the beginning of the year? These are my resolutions. These are the things that I'm focused on. I am focused on that diet. I am focused on this. I am focused on that. And then you've given in against your better judgment. Yeah? it's true. You have definitely, we all will have by now gone. This was my good confession and I have given in already. You're like, my good confession is that I am going to work out this year. And then you get sat on the sofa and you're like, nah, I can't be bothered with that. I'm going to sit here a little bit longer. And your good confession is I'm going to eat really healthily. And then that beautiful tray of uh, cakes comes along and you're like, I can do my, uh, I can do my uh, healthy eating another day. And it's a slippery slope. Or perhaps, you have given in against your bed, better judgment, like I do quite often. So uh, uh, that I am one of those people that it would, you know, I don't want to bring up one of those spoilt little human beings, you know. And uh, so, and and my good judgment is, no, you don't need that right now, Mayor. Praise Daniels. No, you don't need that chocolate now, Mercy Ocean. You do not need those things right now. And my better judgment is is I'm going to bring up good, healthy kids. But there is a particular whinge and a particular whine that if it is held for long enough, I will give in against my better judgment. I had two children in my bed when I woke up this morning. My better judgment is, no, get in your own bed. You need to learn to sleep in your own bed. And I gave in against my better judgment because I cannot be bothered to put up with that whinge. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else? Know? There is a particular whinge, a particular pitch, and you're like, okay, do whatever you want. I don't care anymore. Uh, you all, all the parents in the room are like, no, I'm just going to judge you. You just, you just didn't do a good job. Uh, my... Um, My parents, they uh, uh, this is my dad, by the way, and uh, talking about faithfulness, this is a great man, a man of God, and and he did something completely outrageous. He was the first in our family line to follow Jesus, and that's pretty amazing because it's easy for me, but for him, he had to deal with his aunts and uncles saying, well, a leopard never changes its spots and all that sort of stuff, and that's amazing. So if you're the first in your family this morning, I want to encourage you. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. Anyway, um, uh, my parents, they live on uh, a street, a row of um, semi-detached houses, and a couple of doors down, there is, one of their neighbors has a dog. Their dog is called Frankie. Guess what kind of dog it is? A bulldog, a frankfurter. Oh no, sausage dog. Absolutely. So uh, they have a dog and um, we didn't know they had a dog until um, one summer just after they'd moved in. And we're playing in their garden. They have a really nice garden and I'm quite jealous of it. So I just take my kids there and they can play in their garden and get their carpet all muddy. And um, and so uh, we were in the garden. It was summer. The paddling pool's out. We're going to have a barbecue later. It's a beautiful day. And there is just this sound from a couple of doors down, this constant yapping, this constant barking, and that literally for the whole summer, there was just this dog outside nearly all day, all hours, just going, literally hated being outside, and he would just bark and bark and bark, until one day, my mum loses it, and it was the best moment of my life. And my mum was like, Frankie! Like this, just loses it. Be quiet! And I was like, Mum, there is no way he can hear you. He is like three doors down. There is no way he can hear you. But she absolutely lost it at this dog who was just yapping and yapping and yapping. Frankie would just not stop yapping until one day my mum was like... She's a very polite person, unlike my dad. very. (laughs) Very polite person, very, you know, well to do and um and she was like, I'm going to do what the British would do. <laughs> and um so she went round and she knocked on the neighbour's house and she was like, Did you know that your dog is barking? All day and all night. Do you know that he's outside and um had this whole conversation and understood why he was outside and stuff? But my mum couldn't believe the fact that the neighbor didn't even realize the dog was barking and just and didn't care either way. And we'd spent the whole summer putting up with Frankie, yapping and yapping. And I I was thinking about Frankie and I thought about how our trouble we face in life sometimes is a lot like my mum's neighbor. Frankie. And I wonder if trouble has been barking in your life, in the garden of your life for so long now that you don't even hear the fact that the the dog is barking. I wonder if trouble has been barking in your family's life and your neighbor's life and and different areas that you find yourself in and it's been barking for so long that you don't even hear it anymore. You've forgotten that the dog is outside barking or maybe even worse than that, just like the neighbor responded to my mum, the neighbor just let the dog in and the dog carried on barking. I wonder, has trouble been barking in the life of, of your world, in the garden of your life, and it's been barking and barking and barking and you've forgotten that you can tell the dog to be quiet. In my, uh, for my mum it was really clear and relentless that the dog was barking. But perhaps some of us are more like my mum's neighbour and uh, actually have forgotten that you have a dog outside. You've forgotten that you're even in a fight. Have you, is your fight a forgotten fight? We've, we've called this series Fierce and Getting Fierce About the Things of God, and we've all got stuff that we have to fight for in God and for God. And, and, um, and I wonder if you've forgotten that you're in a fight. I wonder if there's some things that are bubbling underneath the surface that we've become so accustomed to that we've forgotten to even bother with. And we're fighting a forgotten fight. Uh, 1 Timothy makes it really clear, doesn't he? We are in a fight. We're definitely in a fight. He says, fight the good fight of faith. This is Paul talking to Timothy, and he's saying, come on, you're about to go into the lion's den, really. He's sending them to a church that's really dysfunctional, and you need to help uh, put it all back together. And he's sending them into this place, and he's saying, come on, fight the good fight. Don't give in to the yappy dog that lives next door. Fight the good fight. But we've become so jaded, we don't even hear it anymore. We've lived with trouble for so long that we've completely forgotten the need to contend for others, because we've become so jaded with the dog who is barking next door. And um, it's it's odd for us, isn't it? Especially in our British culture, to talk about fighting and fighting talk and fight the good fight of faith. And uh, uh, it throws me back to. Um, Christmas time, can you? that feels like an absolute age ago, doesn't it? Christmas time. And at Christmas time, we celebrate Jesus, don't we? And we celebrate the fact that he was born. And we, th- we have this beautiful picture of a baby Jesus, meek and mild. And, and we quote these scriptures like mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. And we, and we, we de- declare these beautiful words which are absolutely true. And Jesus is the prince of peace. But the prince of peace was also the person who went into the temple and turned all the tables up. Peace looked like turning tables up. Peace also looked like um, confronting Pharisees and being really sharp with his words. Peace also, he also looked like walking down these barbaric streets after he'd been whipped and beaten. And walked all the way up down the Via Dolorosa and, and up to Skull Hill where he was then put to death in the most horrific way ever. That's what peace looked like. Peace looked like a broken body. Peace looked like all those things too. So when we're talking about fighting talk and we talk about this Prince of Peace too and we're trying to reconcile these two words, well, peace did those things. Peace knew that in order to have peace, I have to fight for peace. And that's our response too. And as we're wrapping up this series, we've got to remember that we have the whole of our lives to be in this fight for. Fight the good, fight of faith. Peace is a fight worth fighting for. But it's time to trouble your trouble. Would you read with me in Luke 7 verses 11? And I think it will come up on the screen. And it's in the message version. And it's this great story about Jesus. And then we'll pull it apart together this morning. It says, not long after that, Jesus went to the village of Nain. His disciples were with him along with quite a large crowd. As they approached the village gate, they met a funeral procession. A woman's only son was being carried out for burial, and the mother was a widow." When Jesus saw her, his heart broke. He said to her, don't cry. Then he went over and touched the coffin. The pallbearers stopped. He said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead son sat up and began talking. Jesus presented him to his mother. They all realized that they were in a place of holy mystery, that God was at work among them. They were quietly worshipful and then noisily grateful, calling out among themselves. God is back looking after the needs of his people the news of Jesus spread all through the country. I love this story. This is one of my favorite uh, stories about how Jesus just turned a situation around. And you've got to picture this, right? There's a funeral procession. And in this culture and in this day, this would have been a noisy moment as they processed out of the community with the body. And, and they'd even employ people who would, like, it was their job to weep. Like, the louder the weeper, the louder the wailing, the, like, more honored that person was. And this woman would have had all these people gathered, and the community were gathering around this issue. The, the community were gathering around this woman's trouble, and as they walked out of the community, there would have been such a sound and such a noise. But the only difference was, was Jesus was on the road that day. They'd have all been used to gathering around someone's trouble as they processed out of the community. They'd all have been used to the fact that, you know, people die and that's the way it is and and this is the situation and we're going to employ weepers, we're going to employ wailers, and it's going to be this noisy affair as we escort this person out of the community. And you can only imagine what it would have been like as these people are walking and wailing and all this noise is filling this moment. And then one man walks across, cuts across the noise, cuts across the trouble, cuts across what the community had gathered around, and he makes this son well. Could you even imagine that moment of like, I live in a place called Coney Hill, which is a little area in Gloucester, and at the top of Coney Hill there is a church, and at the bottom of Coney Hill is the crematorium, and uh, so very regularly there are funerals, nearly daily, going up and down my road. And, uh, and sometimes uh, a lot of people in Gloucester, they have funerals where they have like a horse and carriage and, the, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And then all the people follow behind walking up the street. It's absolutely beautiful thing to watch. But I just imagine myself in this story of like on my street when this coffin is being pulled along with these beautiful black horses and down the street and everybody, all the mourners are following down behind in all their brigade. And, and then I walk in and go, hold on. Stop. Stop the funeral. Let me just lay hands on the coffin for a second. Could you even imagine if I did that? You're all like, no, absolutely not. Not even if your word is courage for the year. I'm not not even going to even begin. I cannot imagine to do that, although God has given me full authority to. Did you know that? And you we can raise the dead. Amazing. Incredible. Anyway, that's besides the point. But can you imagine cutting through the crowd? Yet Jesus, he comes into this moment and he's like, oh, why are all those people gathering around that woman's trouble? Let's give some trouble to the trouble. You see, the enemy thinks that he's won in this situation, because we do have an enemy. His name's the devil, and he he wants our lives. And and so this moment is happening where they're processing out of the community. Yet Jesus walks across, and he's like, "No, I'm going to give trouble to your trouble. And I want to encourage you today, church, that we have the same authority as Jesus, and we can give trouble to our trouble this morning. Your community, you might have gathered around issues and and, and trouble." but it's time to stop gathering around trouble and just be like, oh, that's a shame. It's a shame that's a problem, isn't it? It's a shame that's, oh, yeah, it's a shame, but it's just the way it is. But I want to charge you today that God says, no, it doesn't have to be that way. The end of the story doesn't have to be like that. Let's follow in the footsteps of Jesus and give trouble to our trouble. I wonder what is your trouble today? What's the trouble that's been loaded onto the back of the hearse and is on its way to its destination? What is the trouble in your life that you have faced and the difficulty? What's the yappy dog that lives a couple of doors down in your life that you've become so accustomed to and worse still, you might have even let into your house? What's the trouble this morning? What is the trouble that you're facing? Because Jesus says, give trouble to your trouble. It's time to get fierce about not putting up with the yappy dog and just ignoring it, but telling the yappy dog to be quiet, to shh, sit down, be quiet. What is the trouble in your life this morning? Because we all have trouble. Jesus said it, didn't he? Take heart, I have overcome the world. You're going to face troubles. You're going to face difficulty, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you need to give trouble to these kind of troubles? Do you need to fiercely contend for your marriage this morning? Have you had trouble with your health? Or maybe your trouble is uh, that promise that you think, oh, like, I'm sure God said this to me, but I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not seeing the fruit of my faithfulness and, and, and those promises. And if you are in here this morning, like, I don't even have a promise from God. I don't know what you're talking about. The Bible is full of promises, and they were written just for you. Or perhaps the trouble you face is your identity in God. You've forgotten who you are. And slowly over time, that dog has yapped so much, yapping at your identity. And every time you focus yourself on who God says you are, that dog just starts yapping again and it distracts you long enough to forget who you are. Or perhaps the trouble uh, you're facing is, is uh, stuff in your family, those kids that are far from God today. I wonder what is your trouble this morning? whether it's sickness or whether it's stuff going on in your marriage and in your home, whether it's that job that you keep applying for and you don't get, whether, whether it's the fact that you, the finances just never add up in your house and you can't make it work and, and you don't know what to do anymore. Maybe it's that addiction that you have. Maybe it's, maybe it's those things that are just bubbling under the surface and you don't know what to do with them, but trouble is definitely barking and it's been yapping so long that you've forgotten it's there. But I want to encourage you this morning... That today is a day when you get to say, I'm going to give trouble to my trouble. I'm going to give trouble to my trouble. I wonder, what is your trouble this morning? What's the forgotten fight that you've been living with? Because God is calling you to give trouble to your trouble this morning. No more shrugged shoulders no more putting up with the procession what does your trouble look like this morning you know i think that giving trouble to your trouble looks like this choosing joy choosing joy when everything's kind of going wrong and and you know you do get a cho- joy is a choice Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. So therefore, if you are found in Jesus and you've been filled with the Spirit of God, you have joy and it's your choice to whether or not you use it or not. Like, for example, I have perfume at home on the side and um, it's my choice. I own it. I fully own it. It's my perfume, but it's my choice whether I put it on or not. So joy belongs to you. Joy is a choice. And I know for a fact how awful it is when you have to get up every morning and everything about your life looks awful. Everything about the detail of your life looks awful. There was a stage in my life when um, sickness was a daily thing, where my finances were, less, were just horrific, and it was petrifying every time I got a letter through the post, and I didn't know what to do, and my kids were not okay. And all of these things were happening all at the same time, and I was like, I don't know what to do anymore. The last thing that's holding on is my marriage, but who knows? I know what it's like to cho- choose joy every day and declare the goodness of God. I, I, I think that uh, giving trouble to your trouble also looks like choosing community. Yeah. Choosing the people that you do your life with. You should not be doing life alone. You should have people around you who are encouraging you. You know when in those moments, in that moment I'm talking about in particular, there was two of my friends, Amy and Amy, and I knew that I could text them anytime and they'd be like, right, th- let's get on this. We're going to pray, we're going to come around, we're going to cook, we're going to clean. Whatever it takes, I'd be able to message them because we need to have this core of people that surround us, that uphold us, that that say, come on, you can do this. Jesus did this. Jesus had his core, didn't he? He had John and Peter and James, and they were the people that would just go, it's okay, we'll come in closer, we'll uphold you, we're not going to talk about your secrets and the difficult things you're going through, but we're going to say we're in it with you, we're not going to do it for you, but we're in it with you, and that's just so healthy. Don't do life alone. And then another way that we give trouble to our trouble is fixing our eyes on Jesus first. What does he say? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I want to encourage you this morning that you cannot fix your kids. You can't fix that. If your kids have run away from Jesus, you can't fix that. Jesus can, though. Jesus totally can. And so our response is, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to take my eyes off that problem. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. And I'm going to fix my eyes on him. And as I fix my eyes on him, all these other things will be added unto me. That's what we're supposed to do because you're not supposed to have victory. He is supposed to have victory in you and through you and all the people that belong to you. That's the way it works. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, he does the hard work for you. He does the hard graft for you. I want to encourage someone today. His arm is not too short to save you. The Bible says that his arm is not too short that you cannot be saved. You are not far away that he can't reach you. You're not so in the depths. Your kids are not so in the depths of despair that he cannot save them. His arm is not too short, and he definitely has noticed you. His eye is on the sparrow, the Bible says. Seen sparrows? They're flipping tiny. And there's millions of them everywhere all the time. But his eye is on those things. The other way that we can, uh, we can give trouble to our trouble is this, getting relentless about the things that matter. Being relentless about the things that matter, like our well-being, the way that we operate in our lives, our health, our body. God gave you that body. You look after it. Be relentless about those things. Give trouble to those areas. I am what um, people describe as skinny fat, so I am skinny on the outside, and that's an absolute blessing. But on the inside, I know I am fat. I know that my, I'm not healthy. My heart is not healthy. I don't eat well, and I don't work out. And some of you in here are going, get out of this church right now. And I, Like, I fully, fully understand that, right? But this year, I've decided that that's not good enough. I may be blessed to be skinny, but God has given me this body, and I'm going to look after it. I've got, to, I've got to fight the good fight of faith. I need to be physically fit for the fight of faith that I've got. The, the race I'm running, I'm not holding back. And I want to be here to see my kids inherit this incredible kingdom of God and see them outrun me a million miles ahead. I want to be there. I want to watch it. I want to cheer them on. I want to be praying them on into their future. And if I'm going to do that, I need to look after myself. Be relentless about the things that matter, like our well-being. And the last thing, I think giving trouble to our trouble this year looks like this. Praising over our problems praising over our problems and declaring God's goodness over the things that we face, declaring God's goodness over our situations, no matter how large and how frightening and how difficult they are. I'm going to praise over my problems. I'm going to declare his goodness, even though I don't feel it right now. I'm going to declare his goodness, though I don't understand how he's working right here. I'm going to praise him over my problems. I'm going to declare that he is good. And I I don't know what's happening right now, God. I I don't understand it I don't know how to fix it I don't know how to do this today but God you are God and I am not and that's okay because he is wonderful counselor mighty God He is Prince of Peace and Everlasting Father. He is all those things. He is my healer. He is my defender. He is more than enough. He is my redeemer. He is my portion. He is my salvation. He is every good gift that is given. He is all of those things. That is who he is. And though I don't see it in evidence right before me right now, and I can't feel it, and God, I haven't felt you in a long time, but I'm still going to declare that you are who you said you are. There is no mistaking what his word says. That is no coincidence. It's too much. It's too complex. It's too difficult to think that that isn't right. So I'm going to declare his promise anyway. And every time the person sat right next to me gets the miracle I've been desperate for, I'm going to declare the praises of my God. Because you know what? When we praise God, it says God inhabits the praises of his people. Whoa. God turns up when I praise. God inhabits those moments. And I want to encourage you right now, church, that it's time to get your praise on. I'm believing that this place, in this building, and this church as a people, you're going to become a people who is known for their praise. Who is going to praise through unbelievable difficulty but you're going to see God come through time and time and time again I'm believing that people are going to walk through those doors and when they walk through those doors they're going to go what the heck is going on here why are they declaring this this a mighty God what's going on how what do they know that I don't know why is what are they what are they saying God's our healer God's our redeemer God's my salvation God can fix my broken heart And they're gonna walk into this atmosphere of praise and they're gonna think it's you, but we all know that it's not you. It's the God you are talking about. And we're gonna see lives changed and lives transformed. We're gonna, I'm gonna come along and in a few years time, they're gonna be doing baptism after baptism after baptism because people who are lost and broken will hear you muttering under your breath at your desk when things are going wrong, the praise of your God. And they're gonna go, what are you talking about? I'm not just talking about how, how we worship in church. We praise God everywhere, all the time. I want my kids to catch me praising God when that bill comes through and I don't have enough money. I want my kids to catch me praising God when I'm walking through the most difficult situations ever. I want, I want my colleagues to hear me praising God and something of courage rise within them. I want my neighbors to catch me praising God in my garden and then lean over the fence and be like, what on earth are you on about? Do we need to call someone? not because we wanna be weird Christians, but because we know that there's power in our praise. We know that walls come down when we praise our God. We know that we can be in the roughest, toughest prison, but as I praise my God, God's gonna do a miracle and we're gonna see the walls come down over those situations. They're not just nice Bible stories, it's who God is. He inhabits the praises of our people. If the rest of the band wanna just join us as we finish up this morning. You know, I was um, I was prepping this message, and uh, it's great to have Si back, isn't it? But um, he was still on sabbatical, and I walked into our local Starbucks, and I was like, Oh my goodness, Simon's over there, and he's sat with his EA, Tom. Is he working? He's on sabbatical, and I've caught him working. I was like, Yes, I've caught him. I knew he'd be working somewhere. If you know anything about Simon, he relentlessly works on the things that God has called him to. So I was, I was totally expecting to catch him working, but he wasn't. He was just finding out where he was flying into next. It's all right for some minutes. But um, as I, as I was prepping, I was just sat with my headphones in, and all the world is walking past in the coffee shop. And I love being in that environment because I think, oh, if only you knew what I was writing down here. And uh, I just felt God say, just stop a second and listen to the song that you're listening to and um, these were the words and I hope it encourages you today it says so I will praise you on the mountain and I will praise you when the mountain's in my way you're the summit where my feet are so I will praise you in the valleys all the same no less God within the shadows no less faithful when the night leads me astray You're the heaven where my heart is, in the highlands, and the heartache all the same. Whatever I walk through, wherever I am, your name can move mountains wherever I stand. And if ever I walk through the valley of death, I'll sing through the shadows my song of ascent. And I want to encourage you today, church, as we wrap this series up, as we wrap this fierce series up, don't wrap that thought up. God is charging his church to be fierce again. He's charging his church to say, I'm not going to put up with Frankie yapping next door anymore. I'm not going to put up with those little things that have been barking for so long that I, 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 I'm just putting up with it. It's just there. It's just outside in the garden of my life. I don't even hear it anymore. Or worse still, you have let it in your house and he is still barking. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get fierce about the things of God. I'm going to fiercely praise and declare who God is in the face of my enemy and here's the good news a sign went up outside Frankie's house a couple of weeks ago (laughs) Frankie's gone (laughs) because Frankie's house has been sold and is moving on but I just want to say to you today let that be a prophetic picture that as you tell that dog to sit down and be quiet the dog's going to move on (laughs) The dog's not going to be there in 10 years. You're not going to be facing the same battle next year because you've said, no, shut up, sit down, be quiet. Sit down, shut up, and be quiet. You're very uncomfortable with me using the word shut up. I can see that. Ooh. But I'm, I'm not joking. When we praise God, when we declare who he is in the spiritual realm, in, in the face of the enemy, we're going, shut up. <laughs> I'm not putting up with that issue anymore. I'm not putting up with that thing anymore. Be quiet, dog. (laughs) Sit down, shut up. We gotta be fierce. Let's, Let's make this year truly a fierce year that we're going to fiercely contend for our neighbors, that we're going to fiercely contend for our family, that we're going to fiercely contend for our finances and we're going to put all those things in order. We're going to fiercely contend against that addiction that's been plaguing your life. We're going to fiercely contend for our mental health. We're going to fiercely contend for our well-being because God is who he said he is. Therefore, you have all the power and all the authority and all the strength and all the further to be able to say, no, sit down, shut up until Frankie moves.